and take the Word of God, if you would, and open it up to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter number 1. And as we've been making our way through this, uh, this book, this letter, the Apostle Paul to the Philippians, just by way of reminder, he has, uh, the Apostle Paul has encouraged uh, the church here in Philippi. Uh, he sends their greetings, and we looked at that very closely in the introduction, and how God, he thanks God upon every remembrance uh, of the church there in Philippi. And then he moved on from how he is encouraged by them. He then moves on to how uh, they ought to be encouraged by his being in prison and not to, uh, uh, not to lose sight, uh, not to allow their joy to be dashed simply because uh, he is in prison and, and the circumstances that surround them. We want to make sure that uh, as Paul was talking about how he finds uh, a way to rejoice by looking at this church and what they're doing and what they're going through uh, and how they're acting and reacting to different situations, he wants them to also remember to rejoice in the fact that the gospel is being proclaimed. Now this is something that we need to look at, and I, I, was, I was blown away, um, just to be quite honest with you, it's been a long time since I've heard anyone in the national media say anything about Jesus Christ, and I heard it, and, and, and I, was, I was excited about that, I was thankful that the Lord's, uh, the Lord's name is being proclaimed in ways today that uh, it has not been in a long time. Uh, uh, the the uh, governor of our state uh, made the statement that he was not going to be live today because he's going to be home with his family celebrating Jesus, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And he encouraged us to do the same. And so that's what we're going to do. By God's grace, we are, uh, we are going to lift high the name of Jesus, lift it as high as we possibly can. But as he makes his way down through, uh, the uh, last uh, twenty to uh, verse twenty through thirty, we looked at how Christ is magnified and lifted up. And uh, one of the things that we pointed out is, if you were to look at the, the this last portion of chapter number one, it's kind of split up into two parts: uh, verses eighteen through twenty-six, and then verses twenty-seven through the fulfillment of the chapter in verse number thirty. And uh, the two areas of this, uh, one, 18 through 26, can be uh, titled the attitude of a healthy Christian, and then verses 27 through 30, the behavior of a healthy church. If you would look with me, we're going to read starting in verse number 27, and uh, we'll read through the fulfillment of the chapter there. Verse number 27 reads, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which she saw in me, and now here to be in me. I want you to jump back with me, if you would, to verse 27, and perhaps you would like to read along with me as I read verse 27 once more. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, having one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Father, we ask, Lord, that you would bless now the reading of your word. And Father, your word is so important. Father, my words are not. So, Father God, I pray, Lord, that you would hide me behind your words. That, Father, as I present uh, this uh, passage, Lord, that I would do justice to the passage, to the text, and, Father, to the God that it is revealing. 
And so, Father, I ask that you would help us to have uh, eyes, uh, spiritually speaking, to be able to see, ears, spiritually speaking, that we may be able to hear, and a heart that is ready to receive instruction. We pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. Well, as I said, the first uh, 18, verses 18 through 26, the first portion of this uh, last half of the chapter, uh, can be summed up as the attitude of a healthy Christian. Now, you can take a look at this, and you can see that he is still speaking to Christians as you get into 27 through 30, uh, but I believe that uh, as you look at this closely, my attitude as a healthy Christian ought to have bearing in the attitude and the behavior of a healthy church body. Now, the uh, uh, I'm a local church uh, person. I, I'm not. Uh, I don't. Uh, um, I, I don't agree with the whole universal church idea. I believe in the body of Christ, and that uh, you have uh, differences as far as uh, uh, individual local New Testament churches. And I believe that you can take what is being said here to the Philippian people and you can apply it individually. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've had people tell me many times before, says, I'm part of the church, so I can go to church anywhere I want to go to church. I can have church in my living room. That, that may be true, but the question really comes down to what about this belonging to a local visible body and how, how time and time again through Scripture we are we are uh, uh, encouraged to act a specific way with one another. And so we need to be uh, certain that we understand that the attitude of a healthy Christian carries over into the behavior of a healthy church. And so this is not uh, one of these uh, situations many people try to say, well, it doesn't matter, this is between me and God, and it doesn't affect anybody else. Actually, yes, it does. And we want to look at that closely today. Uh, uh, as we move into how, uh, from verses 18 through 26 into 27 through 30, we want to understand how that affects uh, this uh, behavior of a healthy church. Look with me in verse number 27 there. Uh, Philippians 1, 27, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Paul moves from the attitude of the healthy Christian to how this translates into the life of a healthy church. Now, if you remember uh, that your spirituality and maturity does impact the body uh, as a whole, if you will remember this, then you'll also understand that it is up to us individually to carry on uh, the name of Christ corporately. Now, what I mean by that is if, uh, if I am expecting a church to be a certain way, I myself need to take responsibility that I am a certain way. Uh, for example, if I want my family uh, to, to live a certain way, I have to go home as a head of the home or as a part of the family, and I myself have to live that exemplary lifestyle. Uh, there's nothing more hypocritical than someone wanting a church uh, to be a perfect church, but they themselves expect everybody to accept their imperfections. And how many times can we say that, that we have heard people say things like, well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sick and tired of this church acting this way or that church acting that way. Uh, to be honest with you folks, I've looked in the mirror enough to say I'm sick and tired of the way I act. And this is what we need to understand. As a corporate body, how we act individually does have some bearing. So as we look here in verse 27, we, we, we need to understand that our spiritual maturity impacts others. You know, think about it from this perspective. We teach children not to squabble. We teach children don't, uh, uh, don't fight and you know, play nice with one another. Uh, uh, we say things like, uh, um, uh, you know, share and, and treat others the way you would like to be treated, but 
we need to understand that as adults, when we come into the house of God, that ought to be the same type of mentality. Hear what I mean by that. If I, as a father, don't want to see my children fighting with one another and treating one another badly and, and talking to one another uh, in a bad way, I ought to have the same expectation for my brothers and sisters in Christ here in the house of God. And so when you get a group of people off to one side, bad-mouthing and talking and gossiping about another group of people within the same body of Christ, we wouldn't accept that from our children. Why do we want and expect everybody to accept that from us here in the house of God? And so we want to be, be certain that we understand that hypocrisy can be seen everywhere. The number one reason that people list for not going to church or quitting going to church is because the church is full of hypocrites. Now, we hear this thing, and and I'm sure that maybe right now in your living room, you're having a conversation with one another about, well, there's hypocrites everywhere. There's hypocrites in in, in uh, the, the schools. There's hypocrites on the uh, football field. There's hypocrites in the military. There's hypocrites. You know, we, we, we justify. But we need to make sure that we address it. We, we need to be honest. And we need to make sure that uh, we take the time to inspect and to make sure that we, individually, are not causing that type of view on the corporate body. The way I live my life and the way I act in public can stain the name of not only Liberty Bible Church, but the God whom I claim to serve and follow. As a Christian, as a child of God, I claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And let's just go back to grade school, and we've all played follow the leader. And you remember from the old uh, cartoon, Disney, uh, I think it was a Disney movie, um, Peter Pan, where they're walking through and they're going, following the leader, the leader, the leader. And you know, We sing this song, well, wait a minute. Who's leading you and me to act the way we do sometimes? When we claim the name of Christ, the people outside are watching to see who we're following. So that's the way Christ would act? You know, we can say, well, you know, you know, you need to you remember what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? I understand that, but by and large, people today, uh, it, 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 not everybody within the church, let alone outside the church, studies this enough to truly know what Jesus would do. And so, when we claim the name of Christ and we go out and we act a certain way. People are expecting that that's the way we're following the one who acts. Let's let's be careful with this. You see what he says there? Paul uses this term. There there are two terms that he uses in uh, uh, in this book. You see at the end of verse 27, he says, With one mind, striving together. But now if you were to drop down just a, a, a few verses into chapter 2, chapter 2, verse number 3, it says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Paul uses the term striving over here in 27 differently than the word strife. These are two separate uh, ideas. Uh, strife would be more of a, uh, uh, a, 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 a note of self-ambition um, where... Uh, striving is united, and the word for striving uh, is actually the word that would be given, uh, uh, that would show us to strain or to agonize. And so when it says striving together, uh, it would be, if uh, uh, if you were to watch um, 
Uh, I can remember years ago, I'm a Marshall fan. I, I, I love watching Marshall football. That was, that was my team uh, growing up. I remember going to football games uh, with my family, with my Aunt Jenny, and, and uh, we would go and we would watch. And, and I can remember years ago, there was a quarterback by the name of Byron Leftwich. Some of you may remember that name. Uh, some of you may have no idea. Uh, and I know I'm in Youngstown area, and Youngstown's not a big Marshall fan. My apologies to all the YSU fans, but that's okay. You can, you can love me later. Um, but I, I can remember watching Byron left, which he had, uh, uh, he had an injury. He had a broken leg, if I remember, if I'm remembering correctly, and he was playing in a, in a bowl game, and his, uh, his linebackers had to come alongside and carry him up to the line of scrimmage. And they were agonizing together. And the longer the game went, the more they had to muscle down and, and, and work hard. And, and I can remember just as I would watch that going, my goodness, no one, would, no one would fault him if he just stepped away. No one would fault him if he didn't, uh, uh, if he didn't finish the game out. No, no one would fault him for that. But he, alongside of his backs, agonized together. The, the idea where it says striving together here in verse 27 for the faith of the gospel is this idea of working hard and putting everything that you can into it, striving and making certain that you don't, uh, that you don't let up a little bit, that you don't slow down any. It's, it's, a, it's an idea of putting everything that you have, every ounce of strength, and you do it with one another. Paul talks about striving together. The question is, are we striving together? More on that in just a moment. But the next thing that, you, that we see in this, if you'll, if you'll notice with me, at the beginning of verse 27, it says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel. So he he gives to us this idea of striving together for the faith of the gospel. And there are many people today who would say, you know what, I'm, I'm happy to work to get the word out, to get the message out. I'll deliver so many tracts. I'll, I'll, uh, uh, I'll, I'll be happy to invite people to church. I'll even share the live feed on my Facebook uh, uh, account. I'll, I'll do this. I'll do that. Uh, I'll show up. But here's the thing. Striving together is on the tail of this first comment do you see it there only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of christ this uh, idea of letting your conversation uh, be the the wording here is similar to what you'll find if you go just a, a couple chapters over into chapter number three look with me it's the same word Chapter 3, verse, um, look at verse 20. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's this word again, for this word again, conversation, for our conversation. Now, to get a better understanding, go back to the book of Ephesians. We're here in Philippians. Go back to the book of Ephesians. Just one book prior. In Ephesians chapter number 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And you're going to see another word here that has the root word of uh, uh, politos. There's various ways of using this word. It's where we get our English word, politic. But I want you to see how it's used here in Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 19. Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. This word here for fellow citizens, the word for citizen, is the same word that you're getting out of conversation. It is your lifestyle. Let your citizenship could actually be a transliteration of verse 27 in chapter 1 of Philippians. Only let your 
life reveal a citizenship of the kingdom of God? Is what he's saying. Let me see if I can unpack this just a little bit more. Philippi was a Roman province. It was a Roman citizen, uh, 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 city. It was actually, Philippi was actually nicknamed Little Rome. And you had, uh, uh, the, the Romans would have this uh, national pride. And, and people uh, of Philippi would have been happy to let people know their citizenship. They were, they were proud to claim Roman citizenship. And it would be similar today. Here we, in America, we have people who are happy to, to wave a flag and to, and to say, God bless America. And they'll stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. They'll stand when the, uh, uh, when the uh, uh, national anthem is being sung. And, and if they're at a ball game and they look around, they see someone still got their hat on, they'll be happy to say, hey, take that hat off I'm proud to be an American this is the idea that you would have had with Philippi the Philippian uh, people were proud to be Roman citizens but Paul tries to get their attention and he says wait a minute be proud of your heavenly citizenship only let your conversation, you know, I, I'm, I'm more than uh, uh, willing to stand with my brothers and sisters in Christ and, and my brothers and sisters here in America and say, I'm proud to be an American. But before I'm ever proud to be an American, I want my life to reveal the gospel. And so, I, no, I'm not going uh, to act a, a certain way for, for America at the expense of the gospel. And so before I ever act like a blue-blooded American, I need to act like a red-blooded Christian. We want to be careful with this. We want to be cautious. Paul is encouraging a spiritual pride over a national pride. Don't live like Romans. Live like Christians. You know, there are many people today that would be happy to proclaim, I'm proud to be an American, but to stand up in front of uh, a group of people and say, I'm proud to stand on the Word of God, no matter what it says, where it is in the Bible. I'm proud to stand on the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I'm proud to stand on that. Even the parts that are difficult to swallow, I'm proud to stand on that, and I will stand firm on the gospel. Only let your conversation, let your lifestyle. You know, it's, it's funny. You get to talking about sports, uh, and uh, everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got an opinion. And we used to say, you know, opinions are like noses. Everybody's got them, and sometimes they need to be blown. <laughs> but here's, here's what we need to understand. When you're looking at, the, uh, at, at sports teams, there are some people who their favorite sports team is, uh, is uh, in Pittsburgh. Some of them who favorite sports teams in Cleveland. Some of them's favorite, favorite sports teams in Dallas for some reason. I still haven't figured out. But... They're happy to wear their jersey or they're happy to wear their sports, their sports team's logo. And no matter how bad of a season they may be having, they're still happy to have that, uh, to have that logo on. And they're willing to walk out in public even if their team is doing the absolute worst in the league that year. They're still happy to proclaim they're a fan. But I want you to think about it for a minute. They're willing to take ridicule. They're willing to fight with their friends over their team. Are we willing to do the same for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, I'm, I'm, happy, to, I'm happy to do that. You know, I'll stand for Jesus. Will you stand for the Jesus that said that you're not supposed to commit adultery? Will you stand for Jesus that tells you to forgive? 
Will you stand for that one? Will you stand for the Jesus that tells husbands to love their wives? Will you stand for the Jesus that says, wives, respect your husbands? Will you stand for that Jesus? Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel. The gospel. Well, I'm, I'm happy to... To stand, and when when the Bible says that uh, uh, you know I'm supposed to love God, I'm happy to do that. When the Bible says to love your neighbor, I'm happy to do that. What about the part of the Bible that says, "Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is"? Are we happy to stand for that one? We need to take this seriously. Live in such a way that gives evidence of the gospel that's what paul's saying here he says live in such a way that gives evidence of the gospel do not live an ungodly hypocritical life live a life that reveals jesus christ look at verse 28 as you go from 27 into 28 it says and in nothing terrified by your adversaries which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. You know, not only ought we be good citizens, but we ought to be confident citizens. Listen, we are citizens of the kingdom of God. I love the old song, this, is, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. Listen, I, I, I'm a citizen of, of the kingdom of God. <laughs> Do you hear me? What about you? I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. The, the, Jesus Christ is my king. That's my citizenship. And not only do I want to be a good representation, you know, we look around sometimes in our nation and we say, oh my goodness, that person's not acting very American. They're, they're acting, no, stop. <laughs> Are we acting like a citizen of Jesus Christ? In verse 27, Paul referred to something here right in the middle of verse 27, before we find our way into verse 28, look what he says in the middle of it. He says that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind. Paul refers to whether they are in his presence or not in his presence. They live a specific way. What is this way that he's hoping that they live? Bold in their faith. Sometimes it's difficult to make decisions, you know. Sometimes it's hard. Well, pastor, I, uh, if, I, if I make that decision, I might, I might lose someone that's close to me and dear to me and uh, that, that I love. I might, uh, they might not want anything to do with me anymore. That, uh, what? Well, I'm going to have to give up something that I really love, I really enjoy. If I, I remember one one pastor talking to a a man who uh, who told him he asked point blank. He says, "What is keeping you from following Jesus?" He said, "Well, if I decide to follow Jesus, I have to give up golf." Pastor said, "Excuse me." He said, "Yeah, Sundays are my day to go golfing." And if I, if I decide to follow Jesus, i got to go to church instead. I don't want to give up golf. Think about that for a second, folks. Paul encourages here whether, whether he is in, in their presence or not, he wants them to be bold in the faith. That's what he says, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. Well, what does that necessarily mean? Listen, 
Paul stated in Romans chapter 8, and if you want to go back to Romans chapter 8, you can do so. Uh, We were there not too long ago. Uh, Romans chapter 8, if you look at verse... um, Look at verse 31. So he says, what, uh, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall, we, uh, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God... That justifieth. Wow. I mean, if you think about what's being said here, he says, he says, who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect? If God be for us, who can be against us? It is God that justifies. Understand, my sin was before him. My sin was against God. My sin was not uh, just a private thing. No sin is. It is before a thrice holy God, and we can say all we want. Well, now, this is just me, and this is just my private, this is just my personal. No, stop for a minute. Any sin is an offense to a thrice holy, holy, holy God. And we've got to understand that. We've got to be serious about that. And if I confess my sin, He forgives, He justifies So if the creator of the universe that was first and foremost offended by my sin, if he is the one that is willing to look at me as justified, what does it matter what any man or woman can do? (laughs) And so I'm not afraid of my enemies. I'm not afraid of any adversary that might come against me. It's God that justifies me. And so regardless of who's in front of me, regardless of who's watching, I need to take this type of an attitude into every aspect of my life. <laughs> it's a, I, you hear people, people used to joke about this. They don't do it as much anymore. Uh, but you hear things like, oh, the, the pastor's coming over. We better hide those magazines. All the pastors coming over, quick, get rid, of the, get rid of the booze, get it out of the house. We don't want the pastor to see that. Hello, God sees it. What's it matter if the pastor sees it? That's what Paul was saying. He says, whether I'm absent with you or I'm right there, I'm able to hear a good report. But the people in Philippi, (laughs) they're representing the gospel well. Think about this as well. Look at verse 29. Look at verse 29 of Philippians chapter 1 with me. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer For his sake. Did you know that both belief and suffering are a gift from God? Did you know that? Look look with me at that verse one more time. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ. Not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. You know... Go back to Ephesians again, the book just before this, Ephesians chapter 2 again. And look look with me here. Verse number 8, for by grace. Let's stop there for just a minute. Do do we understand what grace is? Grace can be defined this way, undeserved, unearned merit and favor. Undeserved, unearned. If you earn it, it's no longer a grace. It's a payment. It's no longer a gift. It's a payment. Ephesians 2.8 For by grace are ye saved through faith. Not of yourselves. What is it? It is the gift of God. 
not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in him. Grace in and of itself is a gift, but so too is the suffering for his namesake. That's a gift. It's a wonderful gift. I want you to note that not all suffering is physical. Some suffering can be emotional. Some suffering can be financial suffering. Some suffering can be familial. But here's here's where we need to get this right. Um, Many times we hear people say, oh, I'm suffering financially for the cause of Christ. And let's just be honest. No, sometimes people are suffering financially because they made some bad decisions. I'm suffering suffering physically for, for the cause of Christ over here. I'll be honest with you, when I'm walking down the steps in the morning and my knees are screaming, <laughs> that's not suffering for the cause of Christ. That's suffering because I, I, I was abusive to my knees in my younger years. Suffering for the cause of Christ is when my stance for the gospel causes me some pain. When I came crawling back to the Lord when I was younger and I was finished running from the Lord. And I come crawling back to Him. I lost some friends because I would not go back to the old lifestyle. Some may say, oh, that's not suffering. So you lost a friend or two. That's a form of it. You can amplify that. Many people have lost their family because of their stance for the gospel's sake. Some people have lost their spouse because they would not give up going to church. Some have lost their children because their children decided to go a different direction and they stood up to their children and said, that's that's not the way God wants us to go. That's suffering for the cause of Christ. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, your child makes a decision and you disown them. I'm talking about people who love their children and just simply say, I I can't approve of it. I still love you, but I I can't approve of it. And their children have decided to ostracize themselves. There are people who have, whose spouse has decided, you go back to that church one more time, I'm out of here. That's someone who suffered for the cause of Christ. There are some that have given up fame, fortune, whatever it may be. There are some who have been imprisoned for the gospel's sake. But here's the question. Do I look at this suffering as something that I want to shirk? Do I look at it as a burden? See, here's the question in in all honesty. My willingness to endure suffering reveals my love. So the question is, how much do I love him? Am I willing to suffer? I can remember when uh, my wife was pregnant with all three kids. Bless her heart, she was sick pretty much from day one to the last of it. Whew. Bless her heart. And, uh, you know, it wasn't uh, long after the first one came. It was just a couple years later. And then the second one uh, was due to come. And a few years after that, the third one. And I can remember going to the hospital, and I can remember just watching my wife go through pain. Just saying, my goodness. And you know, she couldn't take the, uh, the painkillers, the, the medicine that's supposed to numb you. She couldn't because of uh, uh, other issues. 
And I just started, I just thought to myself, my goodness, would I be willing to go through that kind of pain for the joy of having a child? We love and we're willing to go through any amount of pain for our children. Do we love and are we willing to go through any amount of pain for our Savior? Are we willing to be discomforted? Are we willing to allow God to use us in our pain? What am am I willing to give up as a sacrifice? Am I willing to give up my way? Am I willing to give up my comfort? Look at verse 30 with me. Having the same conflict which he saw in me and now here to be in me. (laughs) Wow. What better example of embracing these two gifts, belief and suffering, than the Apostle Paul. Many feel that no one has gone through what they have gone through. You say, well, Pastor, you just don't know what I'm going through. You wouldn't say that if you you were in my position. I pray that I still would. I pray that I still would. But let us never lose sight of the gift of faith because we focus too much on the trouble around us. I think it's it's phenomenal that this, uh, all of this social distancing and all of the uh, 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 being uh, quarantined and things of that nature. And I think that this Easter time, we we can sit around and we can cry and we can moan and gripe and complain. Oh, it had to be at Easter. It had to be at Easter. I think praise the Lord, it's at Easter. Because now, above all else, Jesus Christ is being focused on. And yes, I'm happy to suffer. I love being with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm a pastor for crying out loud. Sunday is my day. That's the day I can't wait to get to. But I'm happy to give it up. If Christ be magnified and you can look around today and see so many people trying to find answers trying to find faith trying to find hope and where can they find it but here with him let us never lose sight of the gift because we're too busy focusing on what's going on we look around the world today and we are so worried. And all oh, my, my typical schedule. I, I was just talking to my wife yesterday. I said, make sure I don't lose track of the days because I could, oh, I'd hate it if Sunday came along and I wasn't sure. I don't know if you're going through this, but it's like, is it Monday yet? Is it Tuesday? What day is it? You know, and you just, because you're so used. Sunday is my, that's, that's the start of my week. <laughs> Did we have church yesterday? Uh-huh. Okay, it must have been Sunday, so it's got to be Monday. That's how I gauge my week. How many days till Wednesday night service? Okay, then I know what day it is. Are you willing to give that stuff up? I can say, I can say oh, there's a lot of people in the world today complaining, oh, I guess I'm not going to go to church this year because we can't go to church on Easter Sunday. Oh, come on. Christmas is coming around the corner. You can go to church then too. What are you willing to give up? Paul knew that everything he went through was for God's glory. So let's do it. Let's get excited about what we're going through. I can't wait to see the tail end of this thing. I'm excited. I'm praying every day, God, help me not lose sight of you. I want to see how you're working. I want to see what you're going to do with all of this. We as a church should unite this way. We as a church should get excited about what God's going to do. What are we going to be able to see at the end of all this? With uh, everything that's going on here, 
Let's look at one last thing. Do you need to give me something? Excuse me. With everything in, in all of this, let's see if we can make our application here. In verse 27, we looked at the revealing of, of, of the gospel in our life. Does your life reveal the gospel? Or are you only concerned when people are looking? Let your conversation be as becometh the gospel. Do, do you look to strive alongside with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Or are you happy to just do your own thing? Are you happy to just go about your business and you know what? Uh, those people can, they can get closer to Christ if they want to. I'm happy with how close I am. I'm, I'm good enough. Folks, if that's our attitude, that is not a gospel-revealing life. Happy to stay in what we're doing? <laughs> Look, James talked about it. He said, faith without works is, is dead. So the question is, are we willing to work what we say we believe. Is there evidence to your salvation? Let me, ask, let me ask it this way. If your daily life was the witness to others of what they need and what you have, would it be seen worthy of the gospel? If people going through this life who need Jesus Christ were to look to you for the answers, what would they see? Would they see the gospel? Or would they see no different than what I've already got? People will say things like, well, it isn't easy to live like that, right? One might even say that it's downright <laughs> suffering. That's a gift. It's a gift. Listen, rather than trying to shirk the suffering, rather than trying to shirk the difficult times, do you look for, for how God will use it? James chapter 1 <laughs> talks about it. He talks about how the trying of our faith works patience. Do you see trials and troubles as a burden? Or do you see them as a gift? <laughs> think, think about it from this perspective. Think about this for just a minute. We're going to close. If I'm a child of God, if I am a child of the King, the one that saved me, my attitude ought not to be, well, great, I guess that means I've got to suffer. I get to represent Him. There are people that spend their entire adult life trying to be a representative of the United States of America to another country or to a region in, within our country. I get to represent the God that created them. And so do you. question is what kind of job are we doing individually and how am I helping the church represent him well it's Easter time next Sunday we'll be celebrating resurrection Sunday what better time of the year to represent well the person of Jesus Christ. In our workplace, in our neighborhood, sitting around complaining isn't going to do it. 
moaning and groaning about, oh, I can't go anywhere. Now I got to wait. I got to stand outside in the cold before I'm allowed to go into Walmart. That's not going to represent him well. I believe and I trust in the one that's going to get us through all of this. That's where we represent him. Father, I pray, Lord, for those in our midst that do know you as personal Savior. They honestly do, Father. They're trusting in you and they honestly have a desire to be more like you, to follow you closer. Father God, I pray, Lord, that you would, uh, that you would encourage their hearts today. Remind them, Lord, of just how much you love them. And Father, that even in the dark times, you're still there. You're still there. So Father, I pray, Lord, that you would continue to watch over, protect every aspect of our lives, Father. But Father, keep our focus on you. Draw our attention to you. Father, for those who may be listening that do not know you as personal Savior, Father, that they would not be so focused on the hypocritical nature of many of us who claim the name of Christ. But Father, that they would see that while we're not perfect, we have a God who is. And so, Father, we ask, Lord, that you would watch over that. Draw people to you through all of this. That your name would be lifted up. You would be seen high and holy. Father, help us to rejoice in the difficult times and be thankful, Father, that we get to represent you in this. So, Father, how we act, how we react. Father, I just pray, God in heaven, that you would would help us to see Uh, our life, to examine it and to ensure that our conversation well represents the gospel of Jesus Christ. For our citizenship is not in this world. Our citizenship is in the kingdom of your dear Son. We pray these things in your Son's name and for His sake. Amen.